Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hello, my friend. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Recovering, man. I'm recovering. You've had a busy weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as I discussed at the end of the last episode's competition weekend, first competition of the season slash year. Um, yeah. In the COVID era. First one in the COVID era, I guess you could say. Uh, drive to Gatlinburg, uh, which I can honestly say I'd never been to in 12, almost 13 years living in Nashville area. Never had the urge or want to go. <laughs> so, yeah. I've been told, I mean, it's essentially, it's, I was like, well, so it's, you know, when I had people talk to me, I said, oh, so it's essentially Branson, Missouri, but with bears. Gotcha. <laughs> and so I, uh, so I said, you know, I was like, I'm good. I've been to Branson more times than I could count. I'm good. Didn't have a choice this time. Um, so we, uh, we went. No bears, at least no real ones. So that's good. Um, right. So, but it was uh, it was good. The hotel we stayed at was very well, very clean, <laughs> very sanitized. Required to wear masks. One of my favorite things. I should have taken a picture of it. It says mask must be worn, you know, on the premises. Mm-hmm. Mask be, must be worn. Over your mouth and above your nose. I go, oh, God bless you. It's, you have to, have to do it, that. Exactly. It is sad <laughs> that you have to put it on there. But, oh, my God, I'm so glad that they did. Because yeah. that just shows how many people wear it improperly. Um, but that I really respected. So I was, I was down with that. Um, but, yeah, it was real nice. Uh, we tried to walk down to grab some food down the street. I guess it'd be the strip or whatever. Oh my God, my man. You would not have guessed that there was a pandemic going on in January. Well, first of all, it's January and it is packed. There are cars like traffic jam of cars. Yeah. And people everywhere, maybe a quarter of them wearing masks. I'm like, oh, we got to go. <laughs> I mean, I think we were there in not even 10 minutes. And my anxiety had kicked in, and I was like, I got to get, we got to go. I, I, you know, I can't do this. <laughs> I just can't. So we turned around and headed back towards the hotel and then grabbed some food to go. <clears throat> and then we just stayed at the hotel. Um, sat, you know, rest of the day Saturday, got some more food for dinner to go that I went and picked up and brought back. And then we just, you know, more or less, hibern- you know, did what the bears should be doing, which is hibernating. So we right. hibernated in our room and, um, and Grayson got to go swim for a little bit or play on the pool for a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, Sunday, uh, competition is done differently. It's just they do block scheduling, which means your studio is allotted a certain amount of time, I guess. And then you leave, which was amazing because we were only there for like two hours and then we bounced. Yeah. Went to the hotel got the rest of our stuff and then we left. And then we got home, uh, three-hour drive give or take it felt like forever because i was freaking beat because i didn't sleep very well um and we got home and awards had started five minutes before we got home so 
it was like perfect because they were doing awards virtual so it was like yeah no all day event it's two hours and we're out we're out the door (laughs) um so grayson's duo got third place so go them the first one yep first time i've seen any of these dances because usually you know we used to be able to go watch practice and everything nope no i just i mean i've been for over for a year now i've been dropping her off at the door and then coming back and picking her up yeah um but yeah so this is the first time i've seen any of the dances and then um let's see her one of her, her small group got sixth but i don't know how many they competed against at least i mean at least 10 if not more um they just awarded 10 and above um and then her large group got sixth also and then her whole team dance which is basically everybody in the studio their one dance they took first place so good job diamond academy of dance so yep congrats uh on their on all their wins uh not even just that those are just the ones grayson was in um, you know, other people in, in from her studio uh, really, they the studio itself really swept up. They did really good. So uh, mad props to all of them. And for the competition, for the way they were able to adjust to the to uh, to all the COVID uh, rules and whatnots. So congrats to them as well for pulling that off. So yeah. Um. Yeah, so now I'm just trying to get some rest and try and get back into the swing of things, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, man, that's about it for us. And York, York still kicking my butt in uh, Battlefront Two, although I did, although I've won also. It's just I think we're I think we still remain tied on our battles that we each of us you know not rounds per se, but actual total battles won. I think we're tied. So that's cool. Um, not much this week, just work. And then when the weekend came, I kind of like I'd already watched the movies that I was going to talk about this week. So I spent more time kind of watching, catching up on Naruto, the anime. And then I caught one episode of a show that's on Netflix called uh, Alice in Borderland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> first episode seemed interesting. They end up having to play this game kind of like Escape where they go to different rooms and have to pick either live or die. And whichever side they choose, you know, one of them could lead to their death. And then one, they just continue. And by the end, of, by the end of this episode, there was there were six, only five were left and they were given a visa for three days, meaning they can live for three days. But they got to continue playing. Otherwise, they're going to die. Oh, all right, then. Yeah, <laughs> and, and what it started it off is these four friends meet up and yep. they cause an accident. And they run away from the cops and hide in the bathroom in the subway. And then like a few minutes later, all the power goes out. They go back outside and there's nobody there. <laughs> this ghost town. And then they go to this building, meet up with two two girls, and they just get started in this game. And you have to play. <laughs> you know, if you don't play, you're dead. Even if you play, you can die. <laughs> so... It so far, it seems like, interesting. It sounds like another game that's being played during the purge. It's like, hey, here's a right. game within a game. Right. Here's a life or death scenario within a life or death scenario. So, it kind of reminded me of the movie Escape Room. Okay. Um, yeah. Only it's just not. It's so far. It's just 
simple. I don't know what the next game is going to be. But interesting so far. And yeah. then I watched this other anime where I can't, I can't pronounce the name of it, but the central focus is basketball. And you got this kid that's like really short, but um, he just has this real passion for basketball. So I watched like the first five or six episodes of that. And I think there's like 40. So <laughs> okay, got way many more to go. And um, yeah, I just spent time watching a lot of random things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I ended up watching the uh, Night Stalker documentary series on Netflix because I'm that person. Yeah. <laughs> I watch that stuff. Because um, I find it fascinating, not because I relish in people dying, but I find it fascinating because to try and f- not necessarily how, but more the why. The why always fascinates me as to why people decide to do these things, not so much how or who, but yeah, the why behind it. Yeah, yeah. Just, psychology of it always has fascinated me more than anything else. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then of course, uh, episode four, WandaVision. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's yeah, weird because when I first watched it, I was like, well, I got to go home and finish it. But I literally only had 10 minutes left of it. Oh, man. You shouldn't but, have um, started it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, like, I was watching yeah. it and then, like, I was watching it before we started briefing. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I got to cut it off. But I had maybe five or 10 minutes left and I could have just. So I went back. When I got home, I just watched it from the beginning. There you go. Just watched it all the way through. So. Yeah, I'm like, okay, people, are you happy now? You got your yeah. got <laughs> You're right. All this complaining now, feel... now you get. Yeah, and I felt, I felt like I kind of did it an injustice because I when Ruth was watching it Friday, she's like, I was like, all right, you know, once you get past the first episodes, you know, it's going to pick up. You know, the first episode's kind of just there. It's, I mean, it's more of a homage to old sitcoms etc etc um but it'll start picking up and you know by the by the time she got i said it was good wasn't it she's like yeah yeah i really liked it i said so yeah like i said picked up kind of started picking up more and got more interested as i went she goes oh i just, i really liked it from the get-go i'd never had a, you know i never didn't like it i go yeah all right well that's on me because that's i'm not giving it a, it's fair uh it's fair i mean it's due i guess whatever um, yeah. But no, I I mean, I really liked it too. It was just, uh, I liked it more when it picked up. I liked it how, <clears throat> when it started dropping clues and different things in there, kind of made it more Twilight Zone type of thing than yeah. in West sitcom. And it kind of went, because I think that's what they should do, is make it more Twilight Zone heavy and lean yeah. on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first two episodes, well, more or less the first one, I was just kind of like, I don't know what's happening, but... You know, it's cool, the little playoff of Bewitched and I Love Lucy. I'm like, all right. And then third episode, things really kind of pick up. And then this one just lets it all out. Like, this is what's going on. So here we go. Here we go. Buckle up. You've only got four more episodes left. So buckle up. (laughs) Right. It's going to be a lot going on now. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah. So I'm curious to see what happens for sure. Yep. And even Ruth asked me last night. It's like when she's like, when does the new one uh, come out? I go Fridays, always Fridays. Yeah. She's like oh, I go. I know, right? Welcome to my world now. <laughs> and everybody else has <laughs> been watching it from the jump. Exactly. I think it's just because you know you got to wait a week. It's only like thirty minutes, yeah. maybe thirty six. So, <clears throat> but um, 
if you you know you liking it, you want to just just go ahead and dump it all. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's serving its purpose. Like I like there was a article that was saying not an article, but somebody that was reviewing the first three episodes kind of understood why some people only got the first two, some got the first three, and why they only released the first two because they released all three together. You know, I guess the first two were just kind of seeing okay, who's really gonna be with us and who's gonna keep going. Yeah. And then once they dropped the third, it was like, okay, we got you now. We, we done hooked you. Well, and I, yeah, well, and I think even after two, they kind of hook you because when you start in that second episode, when you start hearing, uh, when things start, strange things start occurring in the yeah. second episode, that kind of gets you hooked because you're like, what's going on? And then, yeah. So, <clears throat> but yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely a better one than what I was expecting. Although I didn't know what I was going to expect. So yeah. Yeah, it was, it was cool with the characters they brought back because you like, yeah. So now it sparked people saying, "Well, these folks need their own show too." Right. So we'll see. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, and then um, kind of transitioning to our movie talk. Uh, Friday we did have family movie night. You know, provided they stayed off their devices enough to enjoy it. Although yeah. York says he really liked it. Um, I decided to finally go into one of my favorites. We watched Police Academy 3 back in training. All right. It's been a while since I watched that. Yep. It's PG. I double checked. I'm like, uh, there's some. It's like, those. It's like, yeah, they probably won't get that anyways because I didn't when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but three and four are my two favorites for sure. Yeah. Um, I even told, you know, I was telling, you know, York and them that. The first one's rated R, which I said, so it was a long time before I even got to see that one. Um, yeah. I think the second one's either R or PG-13. I think it's, I think it might have come out right after the PG-13 rating came out. <clears throat> or they re-rated it, I guess. They, you know, changed it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but we watched the third one. It was, it's the first movie in which, um... Sweet Chuck gets kind of a bigger role. Um, he was in, I believe it was the second one. He uh, had a, as a store, as a store owner, and Zed was, of course, kind of the villain with his gang. Um, but the two of them show up in the third one because they want to join the academy. Basically, the police academy three back at training is about their competing academies that where there's two academies that are competing because they, the state's making essentially budget cuts and one of them's going to have to go. So they have this whole commission that's going to come by and evaluate each academy as to how they're doing and make their help, make their decision as to which one should stay. Right. Either Mauser's Academy or Lassard's Academy. So in rewatching this, and I hadn't seen this in, a good minute. I mean, it's been a while. I've got them both, I think, on DVD, but the, I still haven't seen them in a long time. And yeah. one thing I kind of noticed, <laughs> and I thought about this one time when I was watching the uh, former president and during one of his speeches, rallies, whatever you want to call them, um, and how more or less limited his vocabulary is. He reminds me, him and Commandant Lassard have a lot of uh, similarities as far as, like, their the way they talk. Yeah. Because, you know, he's like, uh, 
I think we'll do very, very good because we have many, many wonderful recruits, you know, and and uh, it just kind of repeats, uh, you know, one word a couple, you know, multiple times to kind of yeah. emphasize a point. And it's just kind of funny. And it just made me laugh because it made me think of that. And the it's such a fun movie just to watch because you don't really have to. Ha- you honestly, because the third one was the first one I ever saw. You really have to have zero frame of reference from the previous two movies to know what's right. going because it doesn't really matter because you're kind of being reintroduced anyways to the care to the main characters in addition to these newer characters that are they might have had like a few seconds or you know like a scene or two in the previous movies but now they're joining the academy so they're going to get more screen time on there right and it is really moving from set piece to set piece for jokes but it moves still like it's it's kind of dated obviously because it came out in 1986 it's like only 134 minutes long i believe but like the timing is great there's a couple of times i noticed like the edits could have been a little more tight you know the editing could have been a little bit tighter they kind of stayed on the scene i guess for joke yeah uh, a little bit too long here and there but and it it's obviously the movie's ridiculous because that's the whole point of it it's it's you know a satire on police procedurals and and uh things like that but it's still funny and the gags are funny the you know the some of the humor obviously will go above a certain age group but that's okay let the adults laugh at that um, just like it would in a Pixar movie, you know, not right. not all the jokes in a Pixar movie are for the kids. There's some in there for adults too. Um, York really liked it. Grayson said she did, but I I don't know how much of that she did. But I but York said he really liked it. He said it was he thought it was really funny. Um, told him the fourth one is actually even better. Uh, Citizens on Patrol because uh, it has Billy Bird and, and she's freaking hilarious. So we'll probably try that one either this week or maybe the next. Um, yeah. But they both really like it. So you haven't shown that to your kids, or if you haven't seen it, I would suggest seeking it out. I'd already had it downloaded on on uh, to own on Apple TV. So, But I would definitely suggest ser- searching it out because those are just fun movies from, you know, fun, especially very 80s, but still fun. Yeah. And uh, the romantic interest for Mahoney in this one still be stunningly beautiful, even even now as I'm older. Because even when I was younger, I thought she was pretty, but now I'm like, wow, she's stunning. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a fun movie. <laughs> and but yeah, so that was our family movie night for this week. That's cool. <clears throat> all right, I wouldn't mind we... going back and watching them all. Yeah, man, it's it's fun and. I still haven't seen Mission to Moscow, which is, I think, their last one. It was number seven, I believe. Because five oh. was Assignment Miami Beach. Six was um, uh, City Under Siege. Or maybe just, I don't think it's just Under Siege. I think it's City Under Siege. And then seven's Mission to Moscow. I don't think I, and that was definitely direct-to-video. And I had to explain to York what direct-to-video meant. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep, he didn't get to experience that. No, I so said basically, imagine if Redbox was in a building. There you go. 
They show some old commercials for Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> Take them up to Bend, Oregon to the last remaining <laughs> Blockbuster. Right. <laughs> All right. Shall we get into it? Rock and roll. All right, man. Uh, since we both watched this one, we'll start this one as our feature, and uh, then I'll move into the other two. Um, now I kind of I didn't realize it till I was till this morning I was watching this documentary that I'll talk about here in a little bit. I know. Yes, I watched a documentary. Shocking. I know. Hardly ever watch any. <laughs> um, but as I was thinking about it, it's February first, so it's. The it is the beginning of Black History Month, yep. um, which will lead into one of the movies I'm talking about later. But um, I always hate that it's in February because it's the shortest month, and I think that's kind of some bullshit there. It should either be in January or March. But celebrate it all year. Exactly. There you go. Kind of like people that like celebrate Christmas year-round. Yeah, right. Or a restaurant we went to called Monster Mash and, and got one, or in Pigeon Forge. Yeah. The monster theme, and Grayson's like, why do they still have their Halloween decorations up? That's because they celebrate it year-round, Grayson. Also, it's the theme of the restaurant. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we, so, anyway, um, first thing we're going to talk about is The Little Things on HBO Max, starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. It's a fascinating movie. I was, I'm going to honestly say I'm pleasantly surprised by this movie. Because, you know, sometimes when, sometimes when you see a movie with a really good cast, sometimes you get disappointed. Because right. you can have a really good cast, but not have a really good, but not have a, a really good story to go with it. Um, it turned out this one's pretty good. Um. It's written and directed by John Lee Hancock, who uh, is best known for The Blind Side, Highwaymen, um, and Saving Mr. Banks. Those are kind of his ones he's kind of known for. The Rookie from Disney, a lot of you know, kind of Disney adaptations, um, as well as The Founder with uh, Michael Keaton, The McDonald Story, The Alamo. I mean, he's got a really good. Really good uh, filmography. This movie uh, came out this past Friday. Runtime of two hours and seven minutes. Starring, like I said, Denzel Washington as Joe Deak Deacon. Rami Malek as Jim Baxter. And Jared Leto as Albert Sparma. And then one of my favorite character actors, Chris Bauer. He plays Detective Sal Rizzoli. Uh, most people know Chris Bauer from early TV. Watch The Wire. You know him from the second season of The Wire, The Ports. He was he was in that. So always really good. Um, so this movie is essentially about Denzel Washington, who used to be an LA detective for reasons unknown. He's at now just some sheriff's deputy out in the desert, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Kern County. Desert County, yeah, and Rami Malek's this new up-and-coming, you know, kind of—I don't want to say celebrity detective, but I mean he's a detective, but he's 
dressed for the part. He's dressed and he's very metrosexually dressed and the, you know, very put together and and kind of enjoys being in the limelight, I think. Yeah. But he's trying to track down a serial killer. Denzel Washington's having to go up there to essentially retrieve evidence from a case that they're, his county's working on that got sent up there for something. It's the MacGuffin, more or less, of the story. And so he has to, they have nobody else in the department that can go up there, so he has to go up there, more or less, or well, not more or less, he has to go up there and more or less revisits old ghosts and has to deal with those, well, we're going to go with the analogy, deal with those spirits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I don't like deal with those demons, but I chose the wrong analogy, so shame on me. And in doing so, find some similarities in the case that that they are he was having to go retrieve evidence for and an ongoing case as well and then gets roped into helping try and solve this murder or series of murders yeah uh thoughts um i mean i was surprised by it too like i watched it friday before work like i i'd seen the uh, vill's post and i was like oh yeah that comes out today so you know, I started up, and I mean, you can tell that Joe Deacon, you know, he's, he's still kind of struggling from past case that he was on, and yeah, he found similarities with this new case with the previous one, and so it seemed like he's really bent on helping solve this case because he still has something left open from I'm his previous yeah. life as a detective. Yeah, I'm just, so it's like he's trying to, um, I guess, redeem himself. Because there's, there's a case that's still going that he wasn't able to solve when he was in this position. And then, you know, you got a little bit of a, um, I guess, battle with this new hotshot detective. And then he who used to be in that position, kind of having different approaches to how they handle cases. You know, Deacon's more of a detail-oriented. He kind of just looks at everything to figure out why. You know, he wants to know the why. Yeah. And, and um Baxter, you know, same thing. He's got the same skill set, but, you know, he's young. He's probably missing some things that, you know, seasoned detectives would catch. <laughs> but um, even though it's two hours and seven minutes, it didn't feel long. Um, no. No, some I, things seen, did a little bit yeah. kind of dragged, but that was on purpose. It's for the purposes of the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a performance piece just for the actors to show their skills and just a story about these two detectives that, you know, they're, you know, they're pretty similar. It's just age gap. Well, and, and their methods are a little bit di- like he could see a lot of like Deacon could see a lot of himself in, in, uh, in Baxter's in Baxter. But uh, at the same time, he's kind of trying to guide him to where he doesn't wind up being like him in the situation because yeah. they both. Because uh, Baxter's married and has married and has two kids. Deacon is divorced and has two kids. Has they both kids. happen to have two girls. Yep. So and, a lot of mirror mirror image going on. Yeah. And they both they both concentrate too or spend too much time concentrating on work and uh, maybe not as much yeah. time with family. Yeah. So it's about trying to get that centered more or less. I guess you could say. 
find that balance. Yep, find that balance. Trying to help him find that balance where he wasn't able to. Right. Because you even, you even see him, you even see Deacon kind of interact with his ex. And, you know, you can see in his face, like, yeah, I messed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. But, you know, he's very into his work. That was, but, it's like, but they're at, like, at the very, right before that scene ends, he just kicks that perfect, because the wand's being maintained, well, you weren't here. And then, uh, then right before he leaves, kicks the dirt, I'm like, like, really, bro? That's, like, the most childish, that's so childish on so many levels. But, so he's still not quite there. (laughs) No, he's not. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, come on, bro. But I, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very, it is very, it's, and something I noticed too while watching the, while watching this was that I found it, found it very interesting, kind of the, how you really didn't meet Jared Leto's character till almost halfway through. Yeah. More or less. And I saw something where they compared the little things to the movie Seven. Yeah. In plot and some of the plot. I mean, it's not, it doesn't go use the seven day with sense, but I mean, still in kind of the tone, the way the investigators are the same but opposite. And yeah. Just I actually watched that last night because I kept seeing them compared. So, like, yeah, it'd probably be good to watch it. Right. And yeah. the fact that you didn't meet the main character, kind of, I mean, so you didn't meet Kevin Spacey till pretty much 15 minutes till the end of the movie. Whereas Jerry Widow's at least in the second half of the movie. And, oh my God, he's, bro, he is creepy. <laughs> he did a good I, job trying to talk like this. But... I, I was watching, I was like, man, if he could have just kind of, he could have, if he had kind of done this performance like this with his Joker. Bro, it just would have made a uh, hundred times better Joker. Yeah, he would have done it more they, like this instead of his nonsense, whatever yeah. that he did. When they were doing, had the interrogation scene, I was like, huh? you know, I could see this being Joker, Batman. Yeah, almost. Totally. And I'm, I'm just like, all right, why, why didn't you do this with that instead of being right. over the top? This was pretty balance subdued just in the zone basically <laughs> yep. i agree yeah and i it, watched it uh, twice too because i wanted to make because you know i don't i never watch anything i, I rarely watch things twice so everything yeah. that i'm talking about today i watched twice <laughs> okay and um you? and um i still felt the same the first from the first watch about it you know i was a little more into it because i'm trying to you know figure out things that i missed the first yeah. time but um i mean if like, yeah, it could have maybe shaved off just a little bit of time for pacing, but right. other than that, it it flows well. You know, right, it does flow really well. And when it's when it slows down and it's being methodical, it's done on purpose to show to show either an emphasis on a scene of mm-hmm. how important it is, or it's trying to show you something within the scene that they really want you to focus on and and pay attention to. Because either it's going to come back later in the film, or yeah. it's going to mean something to the character even sure. more. So, yeah, it's yeah. I was really impressed because I I was about halfway through it on Friday, and I was like, God, this is really good. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't even know if I would have seen this in theater. I probably would have waited for you to watch it and be like, 
why haven't you seen this and be like no. yeah. um, I mean it also reminded me of like Bone Collector, Fallen and other movies it's just right. it's crime drama so it's not going to be really fast paced it's just really about no, it's not an action film it's, yeah, it's following the clues yeah. trying to piece together this, this yeah. crime and see if they'll if they'll actually get the criminal at the right. end and you know that's the whole it's just that's the point <laughs> being a detective I like uh, their DOPs. I didn't look to see who it was, but their cinematographer's choice on on uh, lighting, setting mm-hmm. up the lighting for for each scene, and how obviously some scene, you know, the department's crisp, clean. I mean, barely a speck of dust anywhere, glass everywhere. You know, so it's very transparent, which is funny because the characters within the department are anything but. So right, you know, look at that observation um but and then you get to like where deacon you know deacon's hotel is like just very run down just cheap ass he's buying goodwill clothes and switch yeah. up uniform and rami malik's you know kind of shows the difference he's you know wearing that very form-fitting suit he lives in a really nice house with a pool and everything yeah. and then jared Lido. do you think he because he is very pretty method do you think he gained weight to get that stomach or do you think he wore a uh prosthetic which i think he me? wore something because one of the shots it didn't look real yeah. to me like it's just like slou- a slouching pretty good but it showed yeah. you know, and it showed his protruding belly they might, they might have added or, something you know also, but when did he go to work right <laughs> they showed that one shot when he went into no, it was a one shot where he went to get the list of employees and he just kind of leaned back from the curtain. I'm like, okay. And then from there, we never saw him go back. Oh, <laughs> Didn't even see ever. him actually work and just. Ever. <laughs> I thought that was, I was like, I was like, wait a minute. He keeps, and that's apparently the only clothes he has too. Yeah. Because you yeah, know what he, how, how you know, he spent most of his day. Cause, yeah. Because the belongings. Because <laughs> um, he didn't have, like, they didn't show him, like, emptying out. Like, they didn't show him in any other clothing other than just his work attire. That's it. Right. Yeah. I don't know about you, but as soon as I get home, as soon as I'm off work, I can't wait to get home and switch into something else. Exactly. Get out of it. But, just, if it was Velcro, it would be better. I guess, I, guess, uh, I guess that just shows why you and I will not be serial killers, because we don't have that kind of <laughs> mindset <laughs> slash dedication, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. But, but no, they did, they did show how he spent at least one, a couple of days, how he spent his day. I'm just like, yeah. all day. <laughs> I'm like, come on, that's that's yeah, yeah, some obsessive that's, nature. <laughs> very, very. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely recommend if you have, <clears throat> if you have HBO Max, definitely watch it. Um, whenever it comes, if you don't have it, don't want to get it. That's you know cool. Um, definitely watch it whenever it comes out via either VOD, Redbox, or whatever. Because or if you have somewhere that where there's a theater open, go definitely one to check out in theater. Yeah, you know, get your get your vaccinated ass out to the theater and <laughs> go see it. I think the only thing we have is AMC, maybe one in Smyrna. That's yeah, very limited show. Very limited as far as theater access here right. in Nashville, at least. So if yeah. you do have something, you know, where you live and you want to go see it, definitely we recommend seeing this movie, for sure. 
just I mean theater's precautions and yep. make sure that they're up to standards and yeah that way you're not just risking it for nothing you know right just just I mean, know what you just just know yeah yeah so uh so yeah definitely I mean hell Patrick watched it twice so definitely worth watching I'll probably I'm definitely gonna watch it again I'd already decided that after watching it the first time that I was gonna watch it the second time at some point yeah um, just because I really enjoyed it yeah um yeah in stars two-time oscar winner denzel washington oscar winner rami malik and oscar winner jared widow and it actually is good you know it's not it's 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 like you know like you got your favorite sports team got all your favorite players together they just don't have that chemistry no this this actually works yeah yeah it works so even sporting characters um really brought it too so Yep. All right. Now something I would say now on to something a little more depressing <laughs> than serial killers. And uh so I was gonna talk about this a couple weeks back, but I had already talked about so many other depressing things. So and I kind of debated whether or not I was gonna talk about it at all. Um but here I am. I'm gonna talk about it anyways. I also on HBO Max, uh, I watched a documentary called Baby God. Came out 2020, hour and 18 minutes long, so it's a short watch, even though it's going to make it, due to the subject matter, it may feel a bit longer because you're like, oh my God, this it's going to feel like time slows down because of how ridiculous the story is. You kind of get delved into it, and then by the time you get done watching it, you're like, what just happened? Right. So... For more than 30 years, Dr. Quincy Fortier covertly used his own sperm to inseminate his fertility patients. Now his secret is out and his children seek the truth about his motives and try to make sense of their own identities. 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. That's dedication. (laughs) He finally got arrested. Finally went on trial um, when he was much, much older. Like he was in his, I want to say, late 80s, early 90s. But yeah, um, he he pretty much went and uh, it kind of talked, it it, uh, interviews some of the children, not all, but it interviews some of the children. One of them wants to know the truth and goes on a mission to try and seek what's going on here. So, yeah. find out the why. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we already know the how. <laughs> That's yes. Um, he did, but it goes into how he essentially sexually assaulted um, his patients. There's rumors that he sexually, well, not rumors. There are accusations that he also sexually assaulted his children, um, to which, of course, his wife refused to believe. His wife also refused to believe that he fathered any children other than other than the you know other than his own that he had with his wife. <sighs> this movie is so weird and just like bonkers just to believe that this actually happened. You know that this yeah and you know this started in the nineteen um, believe in the early sixties been a couple of weeks since i've watched this so i'm trying to remember it all 
Um, yeah. But pretty much, this dude was just straight up pervert, and you know he, and you know the people that had these children, you know the the patient, you know the the women, the I guess I should say the families because the husband and the wife seeking to you know that weren't able to have children that were seeking his guidance um you know they were expecting not to have his <laughs> right and of course his theory is so yeah so his his uh his feeling is well you know you weren't able to get pregnant so i was just more or less helping them get pregnant so his I own guess, way <laughs> yeah so how would he do this well he just did his thing and then he inserted him his uh his sperm into them yep his sample (laughs) yeah and uh there you go so his real kids have all kinds of half brothers and half sisters all over the country that's crazy 30 years worth wow yeah i just can't imagine yeah it's it's a fascinating fascinating story it's insane that something like this i mean just thinking about it, this is just this doctor. I mean, you know there have got to be other doctors out there that have been doing the same thing, especially yeah. in, especially in the '60s. Come on, yeah, come on, yeah. And it is so it's so crazy. I, depending on your, I mean, depending on your creep factor, I guess you know how. How easily you get creeped out by things like you know this this subject matter mm-hmm. will depend on whether or not you want to watch it or not. It's a fascinating. I find it fascinating from a again from a psychological like the why. Yeah, <laughs> the why is probably more simple. He's just wanting to get his rocks off, and there you go. But he's a doctor wanting to help people. Oh, that's not how we do it. I guess he kind of gets off on knowing that there's kids out there that are his, that are but his. they don't know that it's his. I think it, I think it gets off on the power. Yeah. Of it. It's pretty that's much in control. Yeah. yeah. That's what I, th- I think it's a power thing. Especially if he's been accused, you know, of sexual assaults and rape and all that, then yeah, it's a power thing and an ego and definitely an ego thing. Yeah. Uh, but it is i mean it is the documentary it's as a documentary it's very well done the storytelling the way they edit and tell the story is done really well the interviews are are done well they use obviously they have pictures and footage and stuff because it's you know one of the daughters helps you know helps them make this film um yeah it's Disturbing, but it's a fascinating look. Yeah. That, um, so, so my question today, like, so how they figured out that he was doing this? Probably genetic, probably DNA test, genetics, you know, and just probably looks just like him too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So certain things like DNA and you know and features, you know, are gonna probably stand out a lot just follow the paper trail i guess yep pretty much yeah. pretty yeah. much um yeah 30 years though she's 30 three zero everyone's got caught there were suspicions but not, nobody ever said anything yeah 
Wow. And it's just, yeah. Ugh. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. I did want to bring it up, though, because it was just so fascinatingly disturbing at the same time. Perfect for Halloween. Oh. <laughs> yeah, watch it during Halloween. Imagine those family reunions. They have to <laughs> run out of stadium. <laughs> run out of shirt. <laughs> right. They're going to have to have different colors for different generations. For di- whatever get blank t-shirts. Blank t-shirts and paint it on. Paint it on the, the names. Well, they'll have... Uh, they can have, they can color code it by decade. <laughs> Since it was 30 years. <laughs> you were born in the 70s. You were in the 80s. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. What's yeah. next? <laughs> um, Something fitting for the month of February. Um, but also probably not, it's not a happy movie either. Uh, I need to do better on my movie choices. Um, I watched the, uh, documentary MLK FBI, which I found, uh, on, on demand, um, not on streaming other than just like Apple TV or prime or wherever. Yeah. Um, so I rented this one because it sounded fascinating um, to me. So I, uh, it's based on declassified files. Um, Sam Pollard's resonant film explores the U.S. government surveillance and harassment of Martin Luther King Jr. Basically, the probably the most basic um, synopsis you can find. I mean. This movie uses archival footage. It uses, it tries to use like a shots of the microfiche or whatever, you know, and then just enhance them mm-hmm. um, of these declassified FBI files that have come out uh, recent, you know, not too long ago about the J. Edgar Hoover's FBI surveilling Martin Luther King during the 60s um, as he gained prominence and and as he gained popularity in the civil rights movement all the way from the time of uh, early 60s with Kennedy all the way through Kennedy's assassination and Lyndon Johnson's uh, passing the Civil Rights Act it follows I mean everybody knows it's it's really weird because you kind of so you respect Hoover because he basically founded the FBI, its techniques, its investigations, and stuff like that. But you also, the more you learn about him, freaking can't stand him because he's such a d, he's like such a d bag in yeah. so many areas. It's it's really weird how you can like I can respect him professionally and his contributions to the FBI, but at the same time I freaking can't stand him as an actual person and right. what he did. Just opening up investigations into everybody with no legit purpose other than he just didn't like them. Or he thought, or he felt them as a threat to him because he's a narcissist. So it's interesting to see because they, he goes through and talks about how they, how the FBI installed wiretaps into people that were close to, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, like Clarence Jones, was out. And his, when he got home, his wife said, "Did you, uh, the, did you call the phone company 
um, and tell him it was okay to come in and fix the wiring for the phones. He's like, I don't, I didn't talk, I didn't call the phone company. Yeah. I didn't tell him anything. So basically, the FBI came in and installed uh, wiretaps on their phone lines. It also shows how the FBI um, installs basically bugs like microphones into plants, like in, at the bottom of a flower pot. Behind pictures, it shows the whole recording setup and all that. And that uh, there are apparently audio recordings of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, having relations with other women other than his wife. And apparently these audio recordings will become available in 2027. And there's a good argument for uh, by a retired FBI agent that they had interviewed for the documentary who said that he doesn't see how anything good will come out of releasing those audio tapes. Yeah. Like it'll like it's not it's not going to benefit anyone by hearing them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's not going to change what the good work he has done. All it does is just show that he's a fallible human being, just like everybody else. Right. Um, just like we all are. And But the documentary does a good job of showing the FBI's angle as to why they were investigating, why they were doing the wiretaps. It shows how Hoover, you know, Hoover's did a really good job essentially marketing the FBI to be put in a good light by having TV shows, by having movies. You know, there's movies made about the FBI to make it seem like a, in comic books and, you know, like, um, well, what do they call them? Dime books or nickel books, whatever, whatever they used to be called. Um, that portrayed, that portrayed the FBI as this thing you want to, you know, uh, aspire to become, you know, be, be a part of. And so he did a really good job at that. While at the same time doing all the shady stuff, because <laughs> um, you know he he even opened an invest. I mean, we all know he opened an investigations into the Kennedys because they didn't like either one of them. He was suspicious of suspicious and paranoid of everyone, and especially uh, when it came to Martin Luther King because he was such a. I'm trying to think, a powerful figure in the public. So he was trying to find whatever he could to discredit him, to kind of more or less take him down a notch or two as far as, you know, I guess the heat, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I don't know the best way to describe it. Um, but there was definitely some some shadiness going on in that. Uh, but it also shows, you know, King not wanting to listen to his friends when it's like, you know, the FBI has got more important things to do than, than wiretap me, you know, than wiretap and listening and what we have to say you know yeah but uh you know and that still went through and showed all the good things that king did and the marches and everything and then all the way up to his assassination and then they kind of they didn't like straight up just end the documentary right there but they kind of slowly kind of weaned it down um kind of towards the end that's kind of where always timeline wise that's kind of where the documentary kind of ends um, and they talk. They go in and talk more about how you know the audio audio recordings will be available. I guess now in six years. Yeah. Um, and they interviewed like they interviewed Comey, and he said you know this is probably the darkest time period for the FBI you know in its history was this era. And 
um, that it's been trying to rebuild it, you know, rebuild its reputation more or less ever since. And then, um, yeah, and they interviewed some historians as well. Uh, it's a very good documentary. It's powerful. It's it's interesting, but it's also kind of it's also pretty sad too. Um, but yeah, so those are my movies. Uh, I would recommend watching it if you could find it. I mean, I, if it's a, if this is a subject you're interested in, if you like history and and uh, things like that, you'll probably enjoy this because they do kind of uncover some things that hadn't already been put out, maybe um, rumored, but never you know like factually. Well, now they got some of the facts to back you know back some of the up. Yeah. But yep, that's those. That's it for me, man. Alrighty. So, like I said, um, three of the movies I watched, one of which we already talked about, I watched twice. Uh, one movie I just kind of watched on a whim. I wasn't planning on watching it or talking about it, but um, this one was on Prime Video. It's called Blood Brother. Uh, it's an older movie. came out November 30th, 2018. It's an hour and 30 minutes. Which is weird because when I was watching it, I swear it felt longer. <laughs> um, directed by John Pogue. It stars Trey Songs as Sonny. You got Jack Kessie as Jake. China Ann McLean as Darcy, which is kind of a, I guess, a name drop from something we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. Related to Marvel. Um, but no connection, just. Right, right, right. right. Uh, Hassan Johnson as Joe, uh, rapper Fetty Wap as <laughs> as uh, Emilio, um, WWE star Ron Killens as Blaine, uh, and JD Williams as Kayvon. And you got Ron Killens in this because this is a WWE Studios and uh, Lionsgate kind of production. Oh, wow. So, so going in, I was kind of like, might not be good you know it's wwe studios surprisingly it's actually rated r which kind of surprised me because you know i think because their product is basically pg-13 that right anything with their name on it would be the same but uh basically the lives of two friends take a different path when uh jake goes to prison prison to protect his friends while sonny turns his life around and becomes a police officer uh, and after 15 years of prison, Jake gets out and decides to seek revenge on his friends. That's basic premise. Uh, again, this is a WWE Studios and Lionsgate collab. And so it starts off where we see the four friends kind of causing shenanigans, putting up uh, graffiti, robbing a convenience store. And then it just so happens there's a armed truck robbery happening, like a mobile type deal. So the oh. armed truck is trying to run away, try to drive away from the assailants, and these kids just happen to be in that area, so uh, they witness the gunfight with the, the robbers and the security guards going at each other, and they just so happen to take each other out. Like, nobody survives that. Oh, really? And so they just take advantage, like, alright, let's go ahead and grab this money. <laughs> so, they grab the money. One of the security guards is actually still alive. Uh, but a young Sonny takes a gun, starts aims it, aiming it at the cop like he's going to shoot him, but he hesitates. So Jake takes the gun, shoots him. And so Sonny and the other two friends take off running. 
while Jake just kind of just stands there and ultimately gets arrested and charged and has to serve 15 years for this crime. Even though they were all a part of it because they ran away, he's the only one that got caught. So he gets released. And of course, Sonny's now a police officer. And he gets out. He's out like no less than 48 hours. I mean, 24 hours, like a day, a night, and the next day. So Sonny's going to his sister's recital. And so he's divorced. And Jake is like, you know, I'm going to help you get your woman back. So they go to a convenience store and he's like, hey, why don't you get some some roses and whatnot? So while Sonny goes into the refrigerator area to pick out some roses, Jake decides he wants to, you know, kind of, I guess, have a heel turn. We'll just call right. it that. He takes out the store clerk, lets Sonny see him do it because he locks him in the in the refrigerator unit. And the only way Sonny can get out is to go through the beverage door. And when Jake runs away, he kills just an innocent bystander shoots him. So just like that, flips. I'm like, I don't, I mean, I get it. He served his time, wasn't happy about it, but he didn't exactly run away. He just stood right. there. <laughs> um, and before all this happens, uh, the friends are reunited. So apparently they took, they, they stole $3 million. And instead of them spending that money, Sonny made sure they saved the money and held it until Jake got out. So they could split it then. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how he managed to do that when they were like 14, right. 15 years old at the time. Yeah. Because you know, if you get that kind of money, you're just splurging. Yep. So, so how he managed to keep them from spending it until I don't know how. I don't know how he did that. But um, they basically leave it up to Jake to decide what to do with the money. If he's gonna split it with them, so he he lets the other two friends get his share. Sonny says his is still kind of put up, and all's good. But then this happens. So Jake's on the run. Sonny's trying to find him. And of course, you know, things don't work work out well with the other two friends. And it's. I was entertained. Like the movie itself was kind of a mess. But yeah. I was entertained by the end. You know, I like China Ann plays a character that I thought they were going to try to play off as Trey Song's daughter. Yeah. And I said. You know, if they actually try to make me believe, try to make me believe that this is his daughter, I'm turning it off. <laughs> but, but luckily, it's just something happened to her parents. Him and his wife took her in. And it's, okay. you know, so stepsister, sister, they just kind of have that relationship. So I was like, okay, I can accept that. <laughs> but um, even though it was 90 minutes, it did feel longer. It felt like it was a two-hour movie. It's it just, um, there's a portion in the movie where I thought it ended. You know, they mm-hmm. wrap things up and but it just kept going. <laughs> just kept going. So um it's not a great movie. I feel like the music's okay, acting's decent considering who we have. Right. And um but it was just it was just surprising because I, I thought I was gonna hate it. I didn't hate it, but it just is different. <laughs> right. Yeah. So wasn't terrible. I wouldn't exactly recommend it, but if you happen to come across it, it's on Prime. So if you've got Prime Video, it's not going to cost you extra if you're already paying for Prime. And um, you know, give it a shot. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe not. But yeah, that was just okay. okay. Uh, then the next movie <clears throat> I watched, a movie called Parallel. Um, it's available on VOD. It was released December 11th. 
2020. It's an hour and 44 minutes. Directed by Isaac Esbon. Starring Georgia King. Um, <clears throat> Martin Wallstrom. You have Amel Amin. Uh, Mark O'Brien. Uh, it's about four friends who find a mirror in a hidden area of their home. And it grants them access to an alternate version of their world. Most, basically a, a multiverse. Gotcha. So... Starts off with um, Devin and Noel trying to sell their app, and they kind of get a they, they they tell the investor that they can have it ready in four weeks. The investor says, "No, you need to have it ready by Thursday, which is just a couple of days." And they tell them there's no way that they can have it ready. Right. So, but they're like, you know, if you can't do it, we have someone who can. It has to be somebody that's affiliated with them because Devin kind of let out the bag what they were working on, and I guess he was able to fast track some things. So they go out, have drinks, aren't quite happy about the situation, and all the friends kind of get into an argument. Uh, Devin storms off. Uh, one of the friends, Josh, throws a wrench at him, missing him, and hit the wall, which exposes the wall area. And uh, Lena, she goes in through the hole. She sees a whole different room with stairs and whatnot. So they break the wall down and go in. And you have this open space that, you know, nobody's seen before. But inside this open space, there's a mirror. And Devin kind of stumbles upon it. His hand goes through it or kind of phases through. Yeah. And, you know, they're kind of amazed about, like, what the deal is. So he takes his phone, records a few moments of it, brings it back. And it's just basically the same room, just not the minute. And so... Josh is kind of the risk taker of the friends, so he just goes ahead and jumps through. And there's like a, a cabinet door that leads out to the side of the house. And he goes out, <clears throat> and as soon as he rounds the corner, he sees them in the yard, grilling, barbecuing, playing frisbee and whatnot. And so he comes back. He tells them, like, you know, he was just standing there watching, uh, watching us for like 15 minutes, and I recorded it. And they tell him, well... You're only gone a few seconds, you know, but he tells him it was 15 minutes for him, but a few seconds that he was gone for them. And <clears throat> so because of this time difference, they get this idea, like, you know, since we can go here and it's kind of a slow down version of our world, we can go here, work on our project, get this app ready. And it might be a few days here, but when we come back, it might only be a few hours. And so they managed to do that. They, they get the app sold everything's good and in, they're good they sell the app they go rub it in the guy's face that tries to undercut them and they come across some diaries from a former occupant or a tenant and mm -hmm. and they're reading her diary and she gets this idea of because she found the mirror too and in her time her husband's dead but she figured Figures out that certain time, some certain um, versions of, of the universe, her husband's alive. So she gets this right. idea. She's going to go to this other world, take herself out and replace herself so she can be with her husband. That's what they uncover. But what they choose to do is to go back and try to make themselves more successful. So Noel wants to gain more uh, information to kind of take their product to next level things. <clears throat> Lena's an artist, so she goes back and kind of plagiarizes other people's artwork, comes back to their time and gets famous for it. 
Um, Josh's big thing, he just wants to blow up a million dollars. He wants to get a million dollars and blow it up. Why? I don't know. Uh, Right. Um, He does seem like a Pratt boy, too. And then Devin, he's kind of he's not really cool with what they're doing because it's dishonest. Yeah. But the whole idea of someone who's dead in your time being alive somewhere else, he wants to reconnect with his father. So that's kind of what his thing is. He tries to go to different universities to see if he can find one where his dad's alive so he can talk to him because something happened when he was younger that led to his dad commit suicide. And the last thing he said to him wasn't great. So um, he does find him, connects with him. In this timeline, he goes to jail and um, they have their little heart to heart. But of course, with everybody else, everything everybody else is doing, it doesn't go so well. You got consequences to all this too, right? And one of those uh, decisions leads to something tragic that affects everyone. Um, it's an interesting movie mm-hmm. to show the difference between their timeline and the multiverse. They kind of mm-hmm. change the color to more like a blue color, so you know okay. the difference between theirs and that universe. Yeah. Um, they probably could have dug a little deeper, but for what it was, it was a cool movie. I thought I found yeah. it interesting. It sounds interesting. Yeah, and just I can I actually recommend it because I want I'd like people to see like what they do with something that happens and how it affects everyone. Like something that I thought was going to happen did happen, but not the way I thought it was. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just weird. But it's interesting enough where I could recommend it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. My last movie is American Skin. Uh, this is also available on VOD. Uh, released January 15th, 2021. It's an hour and 29 minutes. <clears throat> Directed by Nate Parker. Uh, this is my first... Nate Parker film that I watched, so it's my introduction to him. And it also stars Nate Parker, plays uh, Lincoln Jefferson. You have Amari Hardwick, uh, Theo Rossi, <clears throat> uh, Shane Paul McGee, um, Milwana Jackson, uh, Bo Knapp, Tony Espinosa, Espen- Espen- oh, Vanessa Bell Calloway. Uh, it's basically about a Marine veteran who takes matters in his own, own hands after an officer responsible for the death of his son is found innocent without going to trial. So it starts off with a, a police stop, and we're from the perspective of a body cam and a dash cam. And everything goes is going smoothly at, flirt, at first. And, you know, the officer's asking for his license registration insurance and all that and come to find out that the card he received he sends them states that his insurance has expired mm. so <clears throat> he does tell him that this car definitely has insurance but he kind of goes back to his glove box and the cop comes like hey, hey keep your hands out and whatnot right so you know he wanted to recheck to see if he had the correct card but they wouldn't let him do it and so he's asked to step out of the car and his son, who's 14, starts recording them from the passenger side. 
And so it was two officers. The officer on the passenger side is trying to get his son to drop the phone. And, and you know, he eventually pulls the son out. And they, that's what things kind of go kind of haywire. And his son is shot, ultimately dies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, then we fast forward a year later where we have a college student that's doing like a documentary surrounding yeah. the events of what happens to his son. And with the hopes of, you know, showing it to his class and maybe getting it entered in the festival and then eventually bringing it to the world where everybody can see, you know, kind of give his son a story. So we learn a little bit about his son. Just, you know, he's smart, just, you know, a normal kid, basically. Um, you know, he's, he, him and his wife weren't together. So his whole time was trying to keep his relationship strong with his son. And then this happens. And, you know, he's, you know, definitely down. You know, he's not, right. he's not, he's not happy. But then they have trying to bring charges against the officer that's responsible. And so the grand jury doesn't indict. You know, he never, never goes to trial. They just automatically, he's free to continue working. And, of course, as a result, riots happen, civil yeah. unrest, people are violent. So much so that the captain approaches the mom to try to get her, her to go on camera to try to calm the, the, the public, just to say, hey, this isn't the way to do this. But dad has his own approach to this. So his thing is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snatch up this captain. We're going to go to the precinct. We're going to hold everybody hostage. And we're going to have our own trial. So Okay. And so that's, but in all of this, he's got this kid rolling, you know, still recording. He's like, you need to record everything because, you know, if you want people to get the real story, they got to see this too. And so he kidnaps them as well. And you have, I guess, about maybe 10 police officers, then other staff like secretaries, and then just random citizens that make up part of this jury. But then you have prisoners in the jail that he releases, about six of them, to kind of comprise of the rest. So you got 12 people, six prisoners, six citizens, and maybe some staff for the precinct. And there, they he decides to hold his own trial mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to determine guilt or if he's innocent or not. So he tells them, like, you know, once we do this trial, if they find you innocent, then... It's all, no, it's all good. You're free, to, you're free right. to go, basically. But if they find you guilty, you'll have to suffer the consequences. Oh, dang. <laughs> so a lot of the conversations had in this movie is, is, is really heavy-handed. Yeah. But it's necessary. You know, it's yeah. just it's a lot of, a lot of hard, hard conversations in this. And it is, I mean, there's really nothing bad I can say about it. Okay. <laughs> It just—it's uh, very heavy, though. Yeah, it is heavy. So prepare, prepare, be prepared for it. Um, you get a little background about Lincoln. Um, of course, like I said, he's in the Marines. He gets out. Things don't go right with his with his marriage. Um, yeah. He wants—he uses his, I guess, his military status to get him in a good school. Right. And but the way he can do it, he has to work there. It was either you live in the neighborhood or you work yeah. there. And, of course, he couldn't live there because prices are crazy. So right. he applies and works for the school, and that way he can get his son to go 
to try to make you know his life better. And right. of course, things still don't work out because he can't prevent what happens. Um, wow. but but yeah, just the conversation between him and the officer that did it. Um, of course, the officer's team, you know, colleagues and whatnot. Is like there's a, there's a scene where one of the prisoners who speaks Spanish is talking to one of the officers. There's no subtitles, so we don't really know what they're saying. Right. But you can kind of piece it together by the officer's response. Yeah. Which is in English, and it's just like, man, yeah, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. Okay. It's 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 kind of a it's not a happy movie, <laughs> but. I don't think we had any of those other than Police Academy this week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Pretty much <laughs> all the movies are pretty downers in a yeah. way. But um, yeah, I was kind of worried about this movie because I thought it was just going to be one of those just over the top, senseless type of thing. But it was really right. kind of grounded. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Mm. Yes. So check it out. Right. So uh, the Independent Spirit Awards nominations came out this week. I posted it on our uh, Facebook group page. I don't think there's really anything that was stood out as shocking. It seemed like it's going to wind up being like it, like like that. Uh, this week, double dosing. Um, the Golden Globe nominations come out on Wednesday, on the 3rd, so bright and early. And then the Screen Actors Guild Award nominations will come out on Thursday morning. So we'll have that to talk about. Back to back. Kind of, yeah, it's going to, yeah. So, um, <laughs> however, the award shows themselves, though, <laughs> are, um, I meant to put the schedule out on our group page last week. Do that today. Um, Screen Actor Guild Awards themselves aren't until April 4th on TNT. And the Golden Globes will be dis- will be uh, February 28th. So, so those will actually be at the end of the month. However, the yeah. SAG Awards won't be until first week in April. So there's that. Um, so we have those two once those awards are announced. And I have a full list. I'll be sure to get them out and and uh, link put on on the uh, on the group page. And then let's see trailers. Uh, f- <laughs> a final trailer for the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run, in which everybody's I know excited about and been waiting or and or forgot about. <laughs> um, I think I'm in the latter. <laughs> yeah, uh, supposed to come out last year. Yeah. Now slated for a March 4th, 2021 release. Uh, let's see. Next. Coming to Disney Plus Premium. Mm. So, uh, you know, everybody will be jump- jumping at that. Is uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. In a realm known as. Commandra. A reimagined Earth. Inhabited by an ancient civilization, a warrior named Rhea is determined to find the last dragon. So, yes. Uh, or wait, how do they... Yes. Uh, Disney Plus Premium Access. And in theaters. 
uh, March 5th. Starring uh, Alan Tudyk as Tuck Tuck and Kelly Marie, Marie Tran, also known as Rose from uh, Star Wars, the last Star Wars trilogy. Uh, Aquafina's in it. Uh, Jimmy Chan, Daniel Day Kim, Sandra O, oh, Benedict Wong. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, March 5th. And then, lastly, The Courier, starring Benedict Cumberbutton. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, coming out March 19th. Uh, Cold War spy Gravel Wynn and his Russian source try to put an end to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, also starring Rachel Brosnahan from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and I'm Your Woman, which is on Amazon Prime. And yeah, that's pretty much two big names on that one. Originally tired Iron Bark. So courier was a good idea <laughs> right and that's it man that's about it and i've already got one of my movies picked out for next week that i forgot i had already not forgot that i watched but didn't put on didn't put on the overview for this week so i went ahead and put it on it for next week so we'll be talking about the white tiger on netflix and then whatever else I watch. But I'm going to probably not watch too much because with the SAG Awards and Golden or the SAG nominations and the Golden Globe nominations coming out, feeling that'll probably take up a decent amount of time. Yeah. So I may just hold it down to two movies, one to two. Yeah. And that's about it. So, you got anything else, my man? Yes. No, I'm just trying to figure out what <clears throat> what I'm going to watch, of course. It's just whatever I'm drawn to and probably still watch some more anime and then try to get to some of these shows. Like, also, I watched the first episode of Snowpiercer, which is in its yep. second season, so I'm, I'm behind on that. Yeah. Um, then I was going to try watching The Warrior because I was finally able to watch part of the first episode. I've watched so, seven episodes. Yeah, I've got a lot of... I'm always slow to the show, so yeah, me too. I'll, yeah, I'll, you and me I'll both. get to them. Yeah, but I was I was recommended. It was recommended to me the Snowpiercer was definitely worth watching. Um, there was another the one. Eggs. I think the Expanse is on my backlog. Uh, <laughs> I got a lot of I've got a lot of shows. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of shows, so Same. who knows? Movies <laughs> are just so much easier because you watch it and it's done. Shows right. just keeps going, going, going. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, I guess until uh, till next week. Yes, sir. We'll talk to y'all later. Thanks for listening. Later. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.